Welcome everybody to another episode of Driven Minds. Your host Franz Bowen. It's your co-host Trav Weeks. We have a dope, interesting, special get down. I feel like I say that every week, but it's so true. We got all these dynamos in the building, Absolutely. and we have another one. Uh, the founder of Mobile City, um, co-founder of Co-Found Harlem. Uh, he's been featured in Forbes, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Inc. Magazine, just to name a few for uh, excellence in entrepreneurship. So his first company at 21. 21, 21. what I was doing at 21. It wasn't selling companies, I'll tell you that. I wasn't even about to ask you. I don't even know why you say it. <laughs> but I was going to sell Word. Uh, host of uh, Open for Business podcast, uh, speaker extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Wow. John Henry, everybody. Wow. Well, thank you guys for the warm intro, man. I appreciate that. Yo, absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to have you, you know, sitting down with us about to break bread, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's just a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. Indeed, man. Indeed. First, um, let's uh, let's just have you tell the people what, what do you do and, you know, what your companies are about right now. Okay, cool. So, I, I, I'm an entrepreneur. That's the, like... That's the word that I use to define who I am, what I do. Mm. Uh, and I feel strongly about that word. That word is overused now, I think. Right. But that word means a lot to me because mm. uh, you can be a businessman and not be an entrepreneur. This is true. And you cannot be in business and still be an entrepreneur. Like to me, being an entrepreneur is a quality, mm. right? It's like a human quality of someone who like eat sleeps breathes what they do and will stop at no like will do whatever they have to do to get it done right uh and when you apply that quality is it's and it's like mixed with visionary like it's an interesting kind of character and when you apply that to sales you get uh a mark cuban when you apply it to tech you get a bill gates mm-hmm. you apply it to finance you get a warren buffett mm-hmm. uh design you get jobs and so forth um, so anyways, uh, just a little bit of a rant, but like I'm an entrepreneur and these days I'm also an investor. Um, and yeah, I, I invest in, in diverse entrepreneurs uh, through one of my funds called Harlem Capital Partners. Uh, we're on a mission to invest in a thousand diverse entrepreneurs over a 20 year period. Uh, so that's, that's the bulk of where I'm spending my time right now. But I speak, I'm writing a book um, and uh, I run an incubator called Co-Found Harlem, and I also run a real estate tech fund that invests in real estate tech companies. That's yeah. called Area. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, well, yeah. Two things I want to touch on you just said. Um, the first thing, I actually forgot, but the second thing is um, <laughs> you. <laughs> the second thing is um, the qualities you spoke, the attributes of an entrepreneur. Now, my question to you, is that something that can be adopted or is that something you feel like is, you know, you have to be born with? Fuck, man. Like, I get that question a lot and I don't know, uh, but the the most hardcore dudes that I've met that I have, like, the most utmost respect for, I think we're born that, like, I think is the DNA thing. Really? And, and I think that there are a lot of, there are a lot of cats right now who are trying to be entrepreneurs and they're just not. And I feel that the reason is because there's a lot of pressure to be an entrepreneur when in reality it's perfectly viable not to be in fact it's a much easier life path when you're not an entrepreneur you get way like you get way more work-life balance Mm -hmm. you get to have way way more fun uh in many respects and sometimes like i mean shit is less stressful like 
it's it's just it's a lot more of a desirable life path like I, it's being an entrepreneur as you guys know like it's fucking hard Absolutely. you know you got to give it your all there's so many friday nights saturday nights sunday nights holidays weekends where you're doing the unsexy part of building a business you're just which is you're, not glamorized it's not glamorized you know? no one wants to see you on snapchat looking at the same old spreadsheet crunching numbers <laughs> or whatever you know right, right, um right. But if you're that kind of person that, and I suspect that people listening, that a good percentage of the people listening are the type of people that like get worked up about that right. uh, and are in it to build something, especially like dudes who look, guys and gals who look like us, right? Like brown folks, mm-hmm. like that shit is powerful, it's motivating. And you really don't get wealthy when you're an employee. you like, you gotta be a partner. You gotta share risks and get some reward. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to put skin in the game and get some money back out. So mm. anyways, that's that's kind of what I'm all about uh, across the board. Well, let's talk about some of that skin in the game experience. Uh, yeah, let's do can it. you tell us a little bit about uh, your teeth cutting experience? When I uh, was doing my Googles on you, found out that you are a college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you started your, your first business at the age of 19, I believe. Yeah, 18, 19. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I went to school in Florida. I came back to the city. Kind of a weird story. Like I came to the city to be a jazz musician. Mm. Uh, what do you play? I, I play guitar, jazz guitar. Oh, that's fine. So like, I grew that's up cool. like playing a lot of guitar and you, you know that if you're gonna make it anywhere in music you gotta come here so I came here and I was working my luck began to change I started working as a doorman like I worked a bunch of dead end jobs selling uh, leather selling knives doing Amway like all the standard stuff I remember Amway <laughs> what and it wasn't until I got a job as a doorman that I often say opening up doors for people open up doors for me mm. and I think I think that the uh, the best lesson I learned from my parents. My family comes from Dominican Republic, okay. and uh, and they you know they immigrated here, undocumented immigrants and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so like growing up with undoc, it's it's a strange thing, right? Because yeah. you can't ever talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and like you're forced, not forced, but like it's a it's expected that you show up early financially you know mm-hmm. like you got to help put bread on the table yeah, the pressure and definitely on the pressure's on um you know six person i have four so there's four of us total so six of us living in a one bedroom uh and you know like i would look at my friends at the time i was in florida my friends we lived in the poorest town of a wealthy neighborhood so like when they turned 16 I kid you not, like brand new, like Mustang GT. Like I'm talking about like for Christmas, I didn't get gifts. Mm. Like what the fuck is a gift? Like I would, you know, Word. like my friends would come over and be like, yo, what'd you get for Christmas like, Thanks for year? knocking like, out this light bill, dad. Right? <laughs> like, exactly. It's mortgage. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, that's how we grew up. But my, and my parents, you know, they didn't have glamorous jobs. Like my mom worked as a custodian and my pops was a presser in a sweatshop. But they taught me, they said, my pops in particular, he said, John, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Mm. So when I was a doorman, I was the best damn doorman you could find. Mm. I learned your name, your kids' names, your pets' names. If you came up to the building, I had your packages and everything ready. Like, no one had to tell me anything. Mm. And, and I was surprised, I was astonished that there were doormen who had been in the building for years and they didn't even know the residents' names. Wow. I was like, bro, you gotta be fucking kidding. Like, the real money that we make is not the $14 an hour that we got paid, which right, right. at 17, 18 was 
these like enough money to go help my parents and like go to the movies and shit. But like the real money, the real money that we made was the currency, the social currency of the residents. Mm. And so anyways, to so like the fast track, I did that first for a year on Wall Street. Um, and that was cool around the world's wealthiest people, but they were all old white folk. Like I didn't feel like I could ever be rich. Mm. It wasn't until I went and did that in Brooklyn where the, the young pe- like people there were also millionaires, but they were brown, white. They, they were doing all kinds of shit that they love to do. There were author- There was a professional dating coach it was a professional rock climber for Red Bull. Hold on, you was opening the door for Hitch? What? <laughs> like, the dude was way cornier, but like he was actually getting people to pay him 30 grand wow. to like rich dudes who like have a lot of money but had no game. He was teaching them how, how to like get girls and I would wow. ask him what he shows them and like really basic shit, like shit that anyone knows. Um, anyways, like that, that was the first time that it became clear to me like, wow, you can make a living and a really good one at that, like doing exactly what you love to do. Mm. Um, and eventually one of the residents, he put me on, he's like, yo, you seem like a smart kid. Why don't you start a business with me? And that's kind of how everything unfolded from there. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about that first business experience. Yeah, well, this dude, uh, one of the the coolest dude in the building, man. He mm. he did eighteen years. Um, he sentenced at nineteen, out at thirty seven. Wow. By the time I met him, he was forty four. He was already a self made millionaire because wow. he really understood the value. Wait, of time. he did twenty years inside prison. Yeah, he did eighteen and years. came out and made an M. A flip. Exactly. Wow. And that homie understood the value of time. He Puerto Rican dude, wow. and he was crazy passionate. Like he felt. Like he feels, I'm still like still close. He feels like he defied the odds. Like he's a fluke in the system. Yeah. Like he's a glitch. Mm. Like he came out and still the same cats that he grew up with are like still, you know, in the yeah. on the same shit. Like he defied all odds. And so his major passion was all about helping uh, other blacks and Latinos get in business. Right. That was his whole shit. So. Um, Anyways, and he made his money with a chain of dry cleaners. So he had um, he had 18 dry cleaners at this point. Mm. And um, he was, the, I'll tell you, man, he was the first one up and the last one down every single day. And eventually he came up, he's like, yo, John, you seem like a smart kid. Like, what do you do with your time? I was like, I don't know, like Facebook, like try to get at girls. Like, you know, the, the, usual, the usual shit. I was working the overnight shift the graveyard from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Mm. He said, yo, let me put you like, so let me show you the value of time. He said, so he started, it was rich dad, poor dad, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was like a hood, rich dad, poor dad. He was not shy about his money. Like right. homie drove, an M, he drives an M5 Beamer. He had the roll. He had not even a roll. It was an AP, a hundred thousand dollar watch on his wrist. Uh, he had the fit. Like he was, you know, like classic hood dude. Um, uh, and I, I love, I love Hugo, man. Um, but he just like would he put me on at first with like little projects little projects here and there um and eventually he said yo look let me give you so first he vetted me and then he said let me give you the actual business opportunity here's what it is i'm gonna give you access to my dry cleaning facility so that's just expensive it costs millions to put up equipment a big Mm -hmm. you know to have like infrastructure in place and 30 plus uh, members of staff and so forth so i'm gonna give you access to that franchise you bring me someone's, you convince someone to give you their clothes. You bring it to me. I will clean it at wholesale rate without you having wholesale volume. 
you charge the market rate and you make the spread. In other words, this hoodie that I have on is, uh, would cost $7 to $11 to dry, depending on where you are. I would bring it to him, he would charge me $2, wow. and I'll make the spread. Wow. Nice. Now you like you have to like like it's important to go back and like how I was feeling in that moment. It's like think about it. Five dollars per transaction. It doesn't sound like a lot, mm-hmm. but I was like, hmm, damn. Like yeah, it adds if, up. It <laughs> adds up. Like if I do this enough times. So the way I started the business was I was going to Harlem and convincing other doormen because I was a doorman. Mm-hmm. I was like, yo. I know that you're the key to the building because I'm a doorman too. Mm-hmm. I'll sweeten the pot. I'll slip you 20 beans for every customer you get me because I know that the doormen, they always get the complaints from all the residents. Right, right. And at first they were like, yo, this dude is crazy. But I would show up every single day. Before I was going to school full-time and work full-time. Before I did both of those, wow. in between a graveyard shift and going to school, I would stop by, Walk around all Harlem. If you go through Harlem with me today, you'll see all the doormen still show me crazy love. And I would just, I would get them a coffee. I would ask them how their day was. I would ask them, how's your kids? Like, shit like that. Mm. I'm sorry. Why does this sound like paid in full a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I'm like, yo. Yo. Lulu, what kind of name is that? (laughs) Right? I think I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think it would be not a hundred percent true if I said that I was like. I mean, look, I'm a natural born like like I said. I think being an entrepreneur is natural, but certainly though, with this new opportunity, every opportunity that you have uh, is an opportunity to up to refine your natural skill to the next. Like you bring it to the next level because you know I only have one. There's only one thing I'm good at really, and that's like growing businesses but uh you know there's a there's a ton of shit there's i'm i'm terrible at everything else and everyone listening right now like they all have their own individual skill and every challenge or every opportunity you get just helps you step it up you know one level at a time if you take it seriously and in this case like i can recall how i how nervous i felt before walking into a building when i didn't i didn't know the doorman I didn't know what I was gonna say, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but it's not a scared, nervous though. It's like a different type of nerve. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? It's, a, it's yeah. like a I can't wait to get this over with kind of nervous. Yeah, it's a you positive stressor, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. damn. Like first, I'm in my head, like, fuck, I don't really want to be here, and then I'm like, fuck, but I gotta be here because, like, what if I get it? Blah blah. Exactly. blah. And I would go in there, and man, you get so many no's, so many no's. But every time you get that no you start understanding how to hit them with different rebuttals mm. and you start working like developing your own kind of yeah. little formula so i understand that you've you then uh hustled and grinded and built the company into something very valuable uh, yeah. in which you sold it later can you talk about you know some of the uh the earmarks that you hit in order to uh you know create some of that value yeah definitely um i Look, a lot of people talk about being at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's about being at the right place all the time. And so when you constantly hustle, that is what you do. You increase your odds for you to be favored by fortune. Uh, and in this particular instance, 
uh, I was telling all the residents of this building I was getting ready to leave because uh, at this point I was like I still had the job and so forth I had dropped school already school was the first thing to go mm-hmm. forget school like I wanted to keep the job for some cash and you know the, do the business anyways one of the residents in particular he was like yo what are you leaving to do and I said well I'm gonna start it like a mobile dry cleaner and he said what he said yo I've been in the, t- in the TV industry for the past 25 years and we have yet to find a single dry cleaner that can meet our demands because wow. they shoot at 3 in the morning 4 in the morning right, 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 and dry right. cleaners open from 7 to 7 so he said, what are you doing tonight? By that time, I had been promoted to like the afternoon shift. So I got off at 11 instead of starting at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. I said, nothing. He picked me up and took me to the set of what became my first movie, which was The Wolf of Wall Street. And I met Leonardo that day, DiCaprio. I met Scorsese. But more importantly, I met the wardrobe supervisor. Mm. He asked me a ton of questions. Had no idea what the fuck I was saying. He smelled it. And and he at the end, he was like, do you have a car, John Henry? Thank God I had some cheap business cards that said John Henry Cleaners on it. Mm-hmm. He grabbed it, and I told him, look, I know I don't know what I'm talking about, but I promise you I'm going to work harder than anyone you've ever worked with. Wow. Months pass. Long story short, I got fired from my job, and I was trying to hold on till Christmas because that's when the doorman gets the bonus. Right, right, right. I got right, fired right. December 1st. Yeah, like, everything was turned around. You know, like, I felt like shit was falling apart. And then the day after I get fired, uh, as fate would have I've become a spiritual man since but like I get a call from the Wolf of Wall Street he's like hey you still ready to do these clothes divine destiny that's what's up I got I got the gig we did a great job with it afterwards he said yo there's a new account in town if you get this you're gonna be okay for a long time wow I'll make the introduction Boardwalk Empire after that Law and Order Law and Order Person of Interest White Collar Unforgettables Amazing Spider-Man 2 Broad City Girls The Good Wives Barclay Center Jay-Z Will Smith uh, Spike Lee Mike Tyson I started doing Broadway like we dominated Um, and so to your point uh, a practical business lesson to take from this is there are riches and niches Mm. right so while my competition was killing themselves for $30 transactions like going B to C, I had happened to stumble, I was fortunate to stumble upon an underserved market where there was no, they were look, they were in, they were so desperate that they were willing to entrust millions of dollars worth of garments to an 18 year old kid with zero experience. Wow. Like if you're listening to this show right now and you have a business, you should find, so you better find a, a niche where they are facing like they're so underserved that they're willing to take bigger risks they're willing to take the premium they're being ignored like stop going for sexy shit like go Mm. for shit that's boring go Mm. for shit that you couldn't think about like can you service the fire the police department can you pick up government contracts like can you service hotels can you service hospital like think boring like because there's a lot of dollars there and so anyways i'm getting worked up because like Like I see a lot of startups like they're three, four years in business. They're not making money. Like, dude, that's a fucking hobby. Like you're like we're in this to make money Mm -hmm. anyway. So, yes, that that was probably the the large like the biggest uh, uh, earmark of why we were able to take off. We grew staff of 13 people. We put up a storefront in Harlem. Um, That's where I do all my business. Uh, And um, yeah, and then later, later we added the software and the tech. So then we became a tech company. And then all of a sudden everyone knew us. uh, But like we had a business first. We made dollars dot cents first. 
Mm. I've been sued. I had to sue back. I've mm. been in car accidents. I had to fire people. I've had to hire people. Like all like we went through all the real shit first, right, right. and then we added the tech, and then someone stepped in and bought the company. Mm. Wow. So at that point, would you say you had um did um the guy you met at um, when you were doorman was he like a mentor to you or was this more hands on learning as far as um everything you you were doing? Yeah, he he's a cool dude, man. Like. Man, I bought him an expensive tie from his like his favorite clothier in the city. His name is the the clothier's uh, name is Duncan Quinn. I bought him a two hundred fifty dollar tie as a way to say thank you. He's like, yo, you know how you thank me? You be successful, man. Mm. You know, I don't need like I don't need this like, and and I remember I asked him one day I was because at, at some point I started you know I'm like I have no formal business experience so like I learned a lot of my shit on the go yeah. and I learned that from Forbes the actual definition of a millionaire is you can. You're a millionaire when you can not work for an entire year and still make a million. And I remember when I learned that, I called Hugo. I was like, yo, are you a millionaire? Because like by this definition, and he's like, yo, he's like, you're a millionaire when you're free, dude. You're a millionaire when you're free. When, they, when you, have when that you can time. do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like who cares if you don't make a million? Like who like, and I love that thinking because he's always like, he doesn't give a fuck about textbook definitions, right. you know? Yeah. So. Speaking of that, that's actually how I changed my definition definition of success. Yeah, I mean, to success, what now? Um, you know, originally tied to material things. Or yeah, yeah. I, I should be having this for success, but success is freedom. That's it's freedom, it bro. To, it's freedom, I mean? man. And what's key, what you said earlier too, I want to touch back on that. Is yo, not every every aspiring entrepreneur, millennial out there, it doesn't have to be sexy. Like, Mm-mm. you can create something that services something or somebody mm-hmm. that can be uber successful way more successful than the person with the you know the pretty brand and the nice instagram totally totally man um, that's key i think that's kind of like lost in our generation slightly Uh, my partner invested in a company that cleans fucking gutters and that company makes 30 million a year in revenue that sounds like a good business to me you know what i'm saying like (laughs) like thinking about shit like i remember i saw like this tv skit where p diddy was like on his yacht and he's being interviewed and he's like, yo, that's my house right there. And like the camera zoomed in and like there was this giant, ginormous house that you assumed was P. Diddy's. And P. Diddy's like, no, no, that's my house. And he had the smaller house. And the dude asked him, he's like, well, what does that dude do? He's like, yo, this dude sells plastic bags. Like, yo. <laughs> yo, Chris Yeah, right? Crazy. Like, so anyways, like, like if any, like if I can impart anything on people listening, like change the definition of like what a startup is, yeah. of what business is. You know what I'm saying? So just to uh, fast forward a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I spent some time on your website today. It's called buildwithpassion.com, and yes, I recommend everybody check it out. Appreciate uh, John that. John has some stunning visuals on there with a really dope voiceover that got me going at uh, <laughs> 1 o'clock today. But um, talk, talk about talk about Build With Passion, or, well, this the site definitely. Yep. Um, but also talk about what that moniker means to you. Yeah, you know... Uh, Great. That's the first time anyone's asked me about that. Um, I, as any like entrepreneur who's growing, eventually you decide that you want a personal website because mm-hmm. eventually like, you start getting enough inquiries where it makes sense. Like, cause you gotta have all that shit in one place. Yeah. So the first domain that I bought was I tried to buy JohnHenry.com. Shit was taken. So I bought the JohnHenry.com. Incidentally, you have a really uh, interesting name. Like, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Steel Driver Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So I bought the JohnHenry.com, right? And like I made my site, and like my site was all centered around me because I thought it should be because like it's my personal website. Right. But one of my mentors was like, yo, this site smells like 
a fucking bratty like kid, a bratty millennial kid who is like self-absorbed in like what he's done and that he should be hired for what he's done. Dang, he took that the complete wrong way. Instead of, he said, instead of what I actually get from you, he tells me, which is like someone who's passionate about getting involved and like helping other people change their lives and like investing in companies that will go on to have a meaningful impact and, and so forth. So like he, and, and that company should hire you to understand more about how millennials behave as consumers, producers, and employees. Mm. Boom! When he said that to me, it became clear that our personal brands should, like, our role in our personal brand should only be to serve a bigger idea. And when you can position yourself that way, I've found it personally lucrative, Mm. like, because brands, now I'm being hired by brands who by the way like for for people listening that are millennials like this is one of the this is the most exciting time for our generation because you have huge companies with 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 massive budgets who have zero idea what the fuck they're doing on social and podcasts like they don't understand these mediums and they're reaching out to people like us to help them crack that code so if you can position yourself uh, as the voice that can help them figure that out You'll be paid five grand, ten grand to go and speak for a couple hours to their staff, uh, and so, anyways, like um, when that was when, a humble stunt, by the way. You know what I'm saying? Out here making that. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm like, playing, playing. That, that was what he told me. He gets paid. Yeah, yeah. So when my mentor told me that he gets paid five, ten grand to speak, I was like, damn. I didn't even know that that was. I was like, damn, like really? Thing, yeah. And he's like, yo, and I do two a month. Mm. So and and he's you know he's a black dude like from North Carolina you know, comes from like where we come from. Uh, and you know, now he's living comfortable. He's got a con. Now he lives that shishi life, but like he's was teaching me the playbook. So, and it, man, it's so helpful when you have a mentor who's been where we want to go because they can just help shave years off of that learning curve. Mm-hmm. So that's where that moniker comes from. Like it's something, you know, build with passion, something that I feel passionate about anyways, that phrase, but it was more about positioning myself to serve a bigger idea. Yeah. Yes. So you've been working in like um I see you um like you said a big part of you and a big part of your brand is cultivating startups, providing that information. How did podcasting come into your world? When did you decide to step a foot in that? Yeah, that was um uh, that was another another thing like right pla- be at the right place um all the time instead of at the right time. Um it, it's kind of like a convoluted story, but in a nutshell, oh here's a uh, fucking a nugget that I, I want people to, to pick up. Mm-hmm. And that is, people can't pick up what you don't put down. What, what do I mean by that? If I set this cup down right now, you can pick it up, right? But if I don't set it down, you can't pick it up because I haven't set it down. And so it works that same way verbally too. So if you want people to, uh, to see you in a certain light or if you want, to, like however it is that you want to be perceived, you should you have to put it down like you have to put it out there for people to be able to receive that transmission because if you're not clear about your own story you leave it up to your audience to make to to kind of put together like oh yeah like john yeah i think he does this he does that as opposed to when i say i'm an entrepreneur and i invest in blah blah like when you're deliberate and intentional about the way that you want to be seen then people have the a clear opportunity to pick that up and so the reason I, I bring that up is because long before 
long before I got uh, contracted to do a podcast for eBay, I was hosting my own my own shows. You know, like I was hosting events at like you know a place that I would get for free. I would go on Meetup.com and pay twenty bucks a month to have you know to like organize a meetup. Mm-hmm. I would invite people out, and I would just do something like this, but in front of a live audience. And I would just do that because I enjoy doing it, A, but then B, because like, I wanted to be seen more in that light because I felt I was good at it. Right. And eventually, one of the people in the audience, I didn't know, but she was a, a, a pod, she's a podcast producer for Gimlet, and she hit me up months later because uh, at one point I, I got the, the pleasure to interview Marcus Samuelson, who's like a celebrity chef. Shout so like, mm. I like, inter- like yeah, yeah. I brought out like reporters. Like I, I tried to be tactful with it because they didn't give a fuck about me. They give a fuck about Marcus. Right, right, but right. I figure if I could have that brand association and be on the same stage with him, then they might think I'm a celebrity, like some shit like that. <laughs> uh, and eventually she reached out and she was like, hey, we have this uh, a paid podcast opportunity with eBay. Uh, and I think you'd be a great fit because I saw you interview Marcus at one time. And this was month. That was nine months ago. Mm. So like, that's why I'm passionate about put like people can't pick up what you don't put down. Yeah. Right, right, right. So like, put out there what you want, where you want your life to go, and your life slowly but surely, in unexpected ways, starts taking shape. No, that's I've tremendous. I've definitely started noticing that my yeah. whole life. So right. Seeing that is, Word. is definitely key. Yeah. So this the I, I feel like the theme or the motif rather. Of your life story, great word. Great word. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, of your life story is a, a mentorship mm. um, that you've you've been fortunate to have great mentors from your parents mm. uh, to um, the gentleman that you met sure. in your previous work. Yeah, Hugo. Let's let's talk a little bit about co-found Harlem and you kind of turning that on its ear and being a mentor not only just you know physically um and and, and intellectually but financially as well yeah yep well, what's what's that um largely comprised of yeah um we a couple of buddies and i started that because we like when we kept going to all these tech events downtown we started noticing that 60 percent of the audience would hop on the atrium and head back and head uptown yeah so like people who were living uptown coming down just because the conversation wasn't happening up there and so like we decided that we wanted to do like a little meetup and eventually that snowballed and that became an accelerator program um and the twist was like we would give you free office space mentorship resources and we would take zero equity Mm. the way that you pay us is you commit to headquarter in harlem for four years Mm. and that's that's fucking fascinating and like and it was, I'm a fan of doing kind of crazy shit, like shit that like doesn't immediately make sense, like because it's interesting. And and for me, I value the power of narrative above everything. So it was interesting enough for us to be able to form a compelling narrative around that. And so I remember I, I happened to be at Google speaking, and when I mentioned that, Google was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, we might be interested in supporting you. That's all they had to say. Then I would turn around and say, yo, Google's supporting us. <laughs> and then like, then someone else would jump on board off the premise that Google, Google. was supporting us, but they right. hadn't formalized yet. Right. And like, I kept triangulating and like, hey, such and such is on board. You might. And so we were able to like snowball momentum and eventually we got support from the city and Google did jump on board and like, wow. and whatever. And so we built, it's structured as a not-for-profit. Um, and the goal there is to just try and help foster an ecosystem uptown um, I've learned a lot. I like, I've learned that uh, 
I used to think that running the program meant I had to be the smartest guy in the room. But in reality, like, you know, we've mentored, we brought in a lot of entrepreneurs that way know way that knew way more mm -hmm. uh, about their business than, you know, the staff. Like, so we, I've just had, I've learned a lot about what it means to help people in different stages. Sometimes people need instruction. Sometimes people need coaching and sometimes they just need encouragement. Uh, and so like learning to navigate through that. Um, but it's been a rewarding experience, man. I, like I, I fucking love Harlem. I'm not from Harlem, yeah. uh, you know, but like, it's a it's a real community vibe Absolutely. up there. I've been noticing uh, all the business owners know all the business owners, um, and I feel really fortunate to be able to uh, help other entrepreneurs that are just starting out like get off the ground. Yo, that's fly. I wanted to um, uh, talk about too, since you know you've you've been able to accomplish so much in your, your in your time here. Um, what what do you use? To motivate yourself like what tactics do you because not every day i'm assuming i don't know you may have wake up every day ready to go get this money and get this bag or you know super um, um enthusiastic but yeah what, yeah how do you motivate yourself for those for those times that are low and also give an example of a time that was very challenging a very um or a time of your trial that you had to overcome uh great questions man um i like this quote they say that Motivation, never, they say motivation never lasts, but neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily, <laughs> right? Like you gotta like constantly stay motivated. Um, and I've gone through those riffs, man, like where I've been motivated for months on end. And then there's been weeks where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, who am I to pull this off? Like, and I, we get in our own heads. Mm -hmm. um, I think during, during those times, I actually, I like to stay home a lot. I don't really go out that much. Um, yeah, I like to spend a lot of time by myself. Um, and that helps me, actually. Um, you restoring your solitude. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's super poetic. <laughs> what? <laughs> that boy said, Bars. restoring your solitude. Young panties to the stage real quick, son. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's what it, it feels like, recharging. Um, and whenever I'm down on myself, I just like to spend time by myself. Uh, and and just you know I like to acknowledge the emotions like if I'm not feeling fucking stellar mm. I don't like to pretend I don't like to shake it off and be like oh, I gotta feel happy because right, right. that's not natural like we go through emotions so if if I'm feeling gloomy or uh, fucking anything less than really excited then I just sit with it man I sit with it I let it be what it is I stay at home uh, I don't do shit I might smoke a joint like I just you know mm -hmm. relax um, and but like, like this eventually, like eventually, you um, you get re inspired again because you you know like yeah. I feel like if it's your natural calling, you eventually get back to that place where you're like, oh, now I remember why I was doing this, and you keep going, you know. Very true. What I got too, like the narrative too, when I watch one of your website and uh, you know watching the visuals you have on maybe your Instagram, it seems like you stay in a a work mode in a sense. Like, yeah. um, what is your work life balance? Because it seems like and I understand it because I've been there at times where you like you wake up, you think about it, you go take a break, you're still working or somewhere, yep. you may go on a date, you may chill with your family, but in the meantime, like it becomes has your business, your company, your your entrepreneurial um, endeavors has that become a part of you? Yeah, man, uh, and almost almost to like almost to a fault. Like right. I don't have work life balance right now. In fact, if you're thinking about this is my, I'm very opinionated. Like, this is my opinion. If you're listening 
and you are considering the importance of work-life balance, like you should not be an entrepreneur. There is very little, if any, probably zero true work-life balance in that a businessman is always on up here. You know what I'm saying? Like like you said, you might be kicking back, but like, you know, but you're thinking like, damn. You're trying to figure the angles. You're trying to figure out the angles. And then like, but that to me is exciting. Like if so, if you're listening and that shit excites you, then that's a good sign. But if you're listening and you're like, fuck, like I value my seven to nine PMs with my family or what, you know, whatever that is like, Mm -hmm. then, then, you know, there's nothing bad about going to be a great team player in an organization because that's incredibly important too. But anyways, like as it relates to me, my work-life balance, I have very little of it, but I prefer it that way. Um, but as a result, I've lost friendships, I've lost co-founders, I've had breakups, like, no. you know, but it's okay. with That's okay with me because yeah. at the end of the day, I know what price I'm willing to pay for where I want to go. And what would you be doing otherwise? What the fuck would I be doing otherwise? Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. So... Oh, oh, and then you you mentioned like if I had a time where it was challenging. Oh yeah, a time that you know. Yeah. Was, was to give up. Yeah, man. Like uh, all the time. Like the scariest thing I ever did in my life was drop out of school. Right. You know, like forget the job. Like anyone could find a job, but drop out of school. Like there's really only a certain win. Like you can go back, but you can argue that once you're once you're past the academia phase, like it's fucking hard. I don't like. I'm not good at school and so like to go back would be tough you know like my brother who dropped out of high school um has been trying to get his GED, and it's, it's even been tough because like once you get out of that mode for 10 15 years it's fucking that's hard that's so, true. so you know yeah. m- there was a time where i was when i was starting i was picking up laundry sacks like literally lugging them through the through the subway like can you imagine a, an 18 year old kid with two big ass sacks of laundry that smell like fucking ass on the subway train it's not sexy. and you just quit school and your parents are like we came to this country so you can be a doctor or whatever and you dropped out to clean people's dirty laundry and i appreciate then, you saying that the uh pc way that they said it yeah right? like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying and like and then sitting in your house and literally wading through dirty panties and like wow. t-shirts and like tagging oh shit one. you had to sort the laundry too what everything that's fucked Run. up everything like Run. can you imagine doing that like there was no I had no idea that it would turn into what it did mm. and that one moment it just felt stupid it felt improbable um, but there was something calling me to, to go on, and so mm-hmm. um, and so that's what I did. What do your parents say now? Now that you you know. Oh man! Talk talk. Yeah, now they're cool, man. Now yeah. they're cool. Like. Right, You know, like, my mom puts an aqua minx on her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything for mama for mama Dukes, man. Uh, yeah, you know, like she doubted me, Mobile City. She came through, and then she ended up supporting. Okay. She ended up. We ended up doing housekeeping and dog walking services too. So she was like oh. the, the head of the housekeeping team. So that was cool. Right, right, right. Uh, and yo, what uh, does that feel like to be able to empower like your oh, mom? Awesome, you know? man. Yo, what? That's what I do everything for. Mm. Like, like I will, as long as I am able to earn and do and build. And if I give it a hundred percent to my mom, I still would not even be able to pay back a fraction. Of what she's done for us, bro. Like I get emotional here just thinking about that. Yeah. I do everything for my parents. Um, yeah, damn, you guys got me emotional up here with that question. Yeah, yeah I do everything for my mom and dad, yeah, bro. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Myself. Yeah, 
I gotta ask, um, you on this some um, really inspiring trajectory. Um, where do you where do you want to be in five years? Like, where do you see your brand? Your your, your where is your mission going in five ten years? Um, well, there's like my, micro and macro. Um, by then, I want to be raising our second. Like, I want to raise a twenty million dollar fund in five years. The goal is to raise a billion dollar fund in ten. Uh, so maybe I gotta step it up, uh, but but yeah, I want to be investing in the the macro is I want to invest in more entrepreneurs. Uh, like I fucking love that. I love being able to participate in like we invested in Blavity. I don't know if you guys know Blavity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we Shout were like early early investors in Blavity. Yeah, oh, did you? Oh, okay, yeah, cool. I just seen him today. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, so to invest in, in Blavity and like we invested in a hemp company. Uh, we're like I just want to invest and mobilize more folks like us, mm-hmm. helping them get into business. Um, I've been dabbling a lot more in real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that pe- I think people sleep on. But mm-hmm. man, you want to talk about you want to talk about the the power of not having to worry about rent. Like the fact, real quick, like a, a practical tidbit. And I know Natalie's like getting into real estate, so maybe this is helpful for her business. <laughs> if you got any real estate questions, hit Natalie up. Yeah, hit um, but the fact that there's a first time home buyers program right now where you can buy a home and you only have to put 3% down, mm-hmm. right? So uh, a home in the Bronx right now, now you can be an idiot and go buy a condo, but that's, that's stupid because then you just have a mortgage or you can go to the Bronx and buy a four unit multifamily, right? So like a, a small building that has four apartments mm-hmm. Three percent down plus closing closing costs. You're looking at twenty five grand, and you say to yourself, "Okay, cool, that's a chunk of money." But if I can save up and get twenty five grand, you live in one unit and you rent out the other three. Mm-hmm. Not only are they paying your mortgage, but you got some cash flow in your pocket. You turn the basement into separate rooms and you rent them out per room. Now you're cash flowing. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a position which I was never in the position growing up because my parents always lived check to check, worrying about the rent. Right. But can you imagine the power all of a sudden? Of being in a position where you don't, you literally don't have to worry about rent. Amazing. That I think now you get the opportunity to worry about other things. And so, mm-hmm. and then, and like, and not only do you not worry about rent, but you're like, you own that. So your tenants are are paying down your more like what? And it only costs twenty five grand. Like that's true. That's you know, I don't know. I've been thinking about that no, a lot lately. Yeah, you definitely yeah. got to talk a little no, bit after yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, people are renting way more than they own it now. This generation, they put a, mm-hmm. um, a report out saying that people are waiting more in their years to rent. So there are a lot more renters than there are people who are actually purchasing homes. So exactly, that's like a great time to do it. Yeah, like yeah. You said like this millennial generation, like it's um, it's open field for a lot of different opportunities. No doubt, no doubt, man. Absolutely, man. But um, yeah. Yo, John. Yo, John might have dropped. He dropped a lot of keys. That's <laughs> that's, that's facts. Yeah. And he's also possibly the first one of our guests that's been sued before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not word, guilty word. player. Word, word, yo, word. real quick before you bounce, man. Where can we find you on the socials? Um, yo, hit me up. Uh, I'm I'm big on Twitter. Uh, I'm also big on IG. Uh, I'm a, I'm at at John Henry Style. So just John Henry style. Hit me up. If you're listening and you made it all the way to the end, I just want to know that you made it to the end. Drop me a line. Let me know if you hated this shit, if you loved it, what you like, what like. Just let me know and hit me up and, and I'll hit you right back. 
Um, and if anyone wants to email me, you can do that too. I'm at jh at cofoundharlem.com. Jh at cofoundharlem.com. Before we go, we got a question that was uh, called in. Shoot. So, um, first one is, um, well, I'll start with this one. Yeah. What pointers would you give somebody starting a business? Let's say top, top three pointers you give somebody starting a new creative business endeavor, whether it be in the tech sphere or you know, a service uh, I think I think that obviously that depends a lot on like every situation depends but I would say one lean into your strengths mm. so you know like whatever it is that you naturally excel at I think you mm. you heighten your your likeliness of being successful when you you enterprise around something that you're naturally good at two um, and a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I think that you should work on a business that uh, that brings in money sooner than later, right? Like, as opposed to, like, you can build a Facebook, right? right? But, like, a black guy didn't build Facebook for a reason. Not because we weren't smart enough, but, like, you know, like, we, we are... Exactly. Yeah. Like, we don't have the luxury of, like, spending years, like, developing this product, going to Harvard, like, all that student housing. Like, that should, you know what I'm saying? Like... So based on your reality, and right. my reality was like, it was do or die, I had to make money today, right, right, right. six minutes from now, right? So like, if that's your reality and you're listening, then you might wanna think about a business that, that can, like a service-based business that can yield money ASAP. Right. Um, and, and three, try and build a team, man. Um, I think like the CEO of a company ends up being the quintessential salesperson in that all you do, your your whole job is to A, be the vision keeper, but then B, uh, convince and persuade people. So you have to convince people to become co-founders, become employees, become investors, become your suppliers, and so on and so forth. So the, the more, the faster you, the sooner you get into honing that skill of transmitting this fucking fiery vision that you have in your head, uh, the better, the sooner you get better at that, the better off you'll be because you're able to build a team. And the best CEOs peep their teams they always have teams like Blavity does that really well. They mobilize people and they can they can help others grow. So um, so th those are the three tips. Um, one, lean into your strengths. Two, make money sooner than later. Three, uh, what was the third one? Three, build a team. Right. Great, great, great stuff. And the last question you want, Driven Minds, we ask all our guests this is what drives you? What you know? What's your motivating factor? What keeps you? I know you touched on it, but. What drives you when you wake up in the morning? Uh, I, I want my my folks to never have to work a day again in their life. There you have it. That's it. John yeah. Henry, ladies and gentlemen. Word up, Jay. Yo, thank you guys for having me. Like we always say this time. Stay driven. Stay driven, y'all. That's what's up. <laughs>